started a brand new series. If you weren't, uh, if you weren't here, uh, we, we, the series is just simply called 1A. Uh, it stands for one another, and it's based on Jesus' uh, final and kind of all-encompassing command. He says, everything I taught you can be whittled down to one sentence. God, love one another the way that I loved you. And John wrote about it. John was an eyewitness. He was there the night Jesus was um, betrayed and crucified. And he says, these, these, are the, these are the words Jesus told us as we were sitting at the table and as we were walking to Gethsemane. He said, this is, this is what his words were. He's like, I'm giving you a new commandment, something that they hadn't heard of before. They'd heard other commandments, 613 other ones, but he said, this is it. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. It'll prove that you're my followers. And so, as we talked about it last week, so this idea of loving one another, we had spent weeks and weeks and weeks looking at what it looked like to follow Jesus around and what it might look like to see what he did. Uh, And then we spent last week saying, well, what would it look like if we did what he said? If we did what he said, and this was a command. So those of you who are Jesus followers here, you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. This isn't an option for us. It's a command. So whether you like the people in your row or not, and you like the people in, in the, the family of God that meets in this house and in other places, his command is that we would love one another. And it goes deeper than that. We learned last week that it's love our enemies as well. Where, wherever you roam, wherever the enemies are, the people you don't like so much and close to home, that we would love one another. And so that was a command. Uh, I loved it. Like uh, last week, uh, Chris, he, wherever he was, he was up there earlier. He, he does so much for this church. Uh, and especially if you've experienced anything online, if you're listening online, you really have him to thank. Uh, if you found our, our messages on Facebook or you see some of the quotes, that's all him. Uh, and he, he puts all those things up there. But one of the quotes that came back, Last week that I thought was really neat is there's a, there's a mom at our, at our Saturday night service, uh, and she's got, I think she's got four boys at home, and she said, she put on there, I'm going to write, you know, the uh, love, like a heart and one A on our hands this week, so we can remind, be reminded, you know, if you've got boys like I do, like, they, they're ready to just duke it out, and you know, to see that on their hand, you know, love one another, just that reminder to live it out, I thought, what a great idea, I should probably do the same, uh, and then I thought, you know, on the other side of it, the reason we, we follow Jesus is it's the command, love one another. But we learned last week that he said, I don't want you just to have another rule to keep. This is much bigger than that. This is out of relationship that you keep it. He says, the reason that I'm asking you to love one another is because I already love you. And I thought, what a great thing to write on the other hand. You know, you are and a heart. Just a reminder of, you know, yeah, you are loved from the second you wake up. You know, as we were singing those songs this morning, grace so free, you may have walked in here this morning. It's okay. Just a ringer, we'll wait for that. I'm pretty sure, it's, pretty sure it's not the Lord, but just in case. <laughs> All good. I still want you to miss this. You know, the, um, the, the, the thought that you are loved has nothing to do with your behavior, has nothing to do with what you did this morning before you got here. You may have had a fight with your wife on the way to the church and you got in the parking lot. It's like, okay, we're done till later. Smile. <laughs> she might not love you right now, but he does. He does, right? That, that, it's not based on behavior. And so it's so, so important that we realize that we really do. So maybe you got to write on your hand, I am heart. I am loved. When I wake up in the morning, regardless, I haven't done a thing. I'm loved simply because he loves me. And we learned last week, we know that God's for us. Sometimes you're going through stuff, you're like, God, are you for me? Are you, do you even care? We, we, we're so used to looking at the current situation we're in to base our, our understanding of whether God is for us or not. He's like, stop looking at the current situation. Take a look back a couple thousand years because we know God's for us because he sent his son and crucified his son and sacrificed his son for us. We know he's for us. He sacrificed his son for us, not because everything works out for us. 
It's so, so important if you're going through stuff this week where it's not working out for you. That doesn't change whether the the truth of the fact that God is for you. And so he says, I want you, this is my command. And here's why, because I love you. And he said, it's it's, it's so massive that that you get this right because that's the proof that you're actually a Jesus follower. You know, sometimes we're like, I know I'm that way. I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a pastor. I'm paid to be a Christian, right? Like, uh, but am I? And it always comes back to this. Am I living out love for one another? Am I living that out in my heart? Same as my prayer today. God, would you do in my heart what you need to do so that you can work through me in that? And so jumping right in, uh, Jesus told his followers that he's going to build his church. He's going to build his church. And, and you know, I... He said it's going to be something incredible, something powerful. We just finished building our house, and uh, we, you know what? Just ask me if I moved in, because you've been asking for months. Just ask me one more. Have I moved in? Yes, 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 finally. (laughs) Finally. It was getting to the point where every week people were asking, have you moved in yet? And Beth was getting to the spot. I was like, I'm just going to get a T-shirt made that says, I haven't moved in, stop asking, right? But we're there, you know, that exciting thing. But we're building this house, and, I realize that sometimes you order material and it, it arrives and it's not perfect. You know, you try and figure out how to make these twisted two by sixes, you know, work and, you know, screws start popping later and you're like, but it's, it's not, you, you find a way to make it fit together. Some of the stones aren't the right shape, so you cut, you know, you have to cut some pieces down to make it work, but you make it work. And I thought, you know, Jesus is building his church. And I was like, any idea what kind of material he's using? <laughs> Just take a look around. <laughs> See, because he's not building a building. He's not building structures where he's like, oh, yeah, we want these walls with steeples. He's like, no, I'm going to take imperfect people. The, you are the church. Never forget that. You and the people around you are, are the church. And he's blending us together because we each have different talents, different giftings, different influences, different people we meet and say, I'm going to use this amalgamation of people. And I, was, I think maybe he prayed, God, what do I do you know, with these people that I love? How do I make something great out of imperfect materials? It's pretty amazing that he's doing it. But he said this. He's like, for that to work, for all of these imperfect people to get together and work together, they need a command. They need one thing that keeps them together. And it was this, love one another the way I loved you. You saw incredible love on display, he said to his disciples. Would you love one another the way I loved you? That's the command. And the New Testament writers, as they wrote about how to fulfill Jesus' command, they realize that some of us are not going to know, you know, what love looks like. We're like, I think I know what love looks like. We've seen it in the movies or whatever. But how do I know if I'm loving? And, and they would change the word. They weren't changing the command. They were just saying, this is how you live it out. And they would use different words like serve one another. Anybody at the cafe today, you were living out what love one another is by serving someone. And it can be in different ways. I know some of you have helped other people move. That's this idea of love one another. They use things like care for one another. You know, help one another. I know there's people who text each other and say, you know, I'm just encouraging you today. It's this idea of being, being actively involved in someone else's life, forgiving one another, waiting for one another, being patient for one another, all action things. He says, this is what I mean by love one another. And so we're going to talk about one of those words this morning, and we'll carry on with it in a couple of weeks. But we're going to talk about one, one of the words of loving one another that affects every single person in this place. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, it's not a Christian thing. It's just a thing thing, but it affects every single one of us, and it's the word called forgiveness. Every one of us has been wronged at some point in our life. I just want you to take a quick moment to think about, the, you think about one person that's wronged you, one person that's offended you, one person that, and right, you know, maybe, maybe it takes a little while. You're like, huh, it's been a while. And for others, you, it was right there. It's a name. It's a face. Good. I want you to think about that because every single one of us 
has been, has been wronged. And maybe that person's in this room. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. And maybe, you know, I've said something, or, which is highly possible, or done something that uh, has, has upset you, and yet you're still, you're still here. Um, we all have people in our lives that have wronged us in some, some way. But I also want you to think about this thought. How many of you have wronged someone else? No show of hands needed. Because we've all been in that spot as well. We've all been in that spot. I read an article this week by a pastor who used to pastor in this area. His name's Ron Knowles. Some of you know him. He wrote a great article on partly on what it was like to pastor a church, but he's talking about forgiveness as well. And he said, it was just some, some great thoughts. He said, forgiveness isn't easy. He said, forgiveness, it's easy. He says, loving people, it, it, it's easy to love the lovable, and it's easy to forgive the people who only hurt you a little. But he went on to say that there aren't many of those people. You know, it's like the people that, that uh, are, 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 you know, those, those people that are just so lovable. Like, I, I don't know, I say the person who greeted you at the door this morning, you're just like, oh man, like, wow. You know, it's, it's easy to love people that are super happy to see you. And it's easy to forgive people that maybe have hurt you a little or, or that it's a, it's a quick thing, but it's not our natural response to forgive because if it was, we would never have to be told to do it. And you know, if you watch kids, Kids grow up and, you know, if they get in a fight, if you got kids and they fight, in my house anyways, with my boys specifically, there's never this thought of, you know, okay, I concede and I'm going to forgive. It's never that. It's just like, I'm just going to say what I said before, but just a little bit louder. And the next one's even louder and louder and louder. It's not this thought of, yeah, I'm ready to forgive. So we insulated all the walls and just said, let them figure it out. You know, it's because it's hard. It's hard for us. It's not naturally in there. It's something we need to be taught. And big, you know, little kids grow up to become big kids, and you experience other opportunities to, to live out forgiveness. And some of those are quick opportunities, like, like road rage, where, you know, the, the, it's like, you did, I, I don't know, I'm a converted road rager. Um, Beth and a few tickets have helped me. But uh, I, I remember back in the day where Beth and I were driving, we were going on vacation with some people, and we were driving, and they were following us, and this other car got in between us. So they were behind me, and as I kind of pulled over to the side of the road to let this person go by, they didn't pass me. They just honked at me. And I was like, oh, yeah, right, you know? It's like, so I honk back. And then they honk again, so I just move my arms like this, like, just go around, right? And, th- and they honk, and I'm like, that's it. And so I just lay on the horn, right? And I'm in front of them. I don't know who it is. Then finally they pull up beside me, and they slow down, they look at me, and I just, like, go like this, like this out the, out the window. And Beth was like, what did, you, what did you do? And I was like, sure, what do I do? I was like, okay. She's like, she's killing herself laughing, but I'm, like, angry. And then they go in front of me, and I'm like, I honk, and I, I start driving after them. I'm going to catch them, and I don't know what I'm going to do when I catch them, but I, I plan. And she's like, do you realize, like, you can't do, like, you couldn't do anything if you did catch them. And there was moments like that where too often just that inner sense of, you know, I, I've got to get even. I got to, we got to, I got to do something. And she's like, you just got to let it go. I'm like, you're not driving, right? It's like, just, you just got to let it go. And there's moments like that where it's easy because we're not going to see them again. And for some of you, you're not, you know, it's not, it's not driving. You guys are pristine drivers. But in the grocery store, you know, that person who parks their cart halfway across and then they stand in the other looking this way and you're just like, oh, I know they're out there. This person got charged for, um, um, uh, actually, uh, having grocery cart rage, they said. It's like people have these things. And then I just thought sometimes there's people who just blend them both together, road rage and grocery cart rage. And it's people like you who do this stuff at Walmart. <laughs> Shame on you. But it's easy to forgive those people, right? It's like, ah, I just let it go. We're never going to see them again. But those aren't usually the, the, the ones we struggle with. It's more so the ones that are the, the everyday, long-lasting, sometimes lifetime living out forgiveness things. You know, the deep-rooted hurts. 
the deep-rooted ones, like, you know, a marriage that's gone south. Not to Florida, but south. It's like those things where it's like, oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta work through this every single day. You know, the ongoing offenses. I know there's many of you, you go into school as, as high school students, and there's somebody waiting there for you who's either, you know, texted you before or put something on social media, and the bully's just waiting there for you, and you're just like, oh, I try to forgive, and yet it's, it's just an ongoing thing, or the lifelong wrongs, and I know that in a room this size, there are many of you here, that if things have happened to you as a child that just have carried and affected the, the, whole, the way your whole life has gone simply because of things that happened way back then, lifelong wrongs that you're still processing and dealing with and not realizing that they affect you, and there, there are these lingering wounds sometimes that, or, or even memories that we have that profoundly affect us. And when it comes to these terms of forgiveness, you know, when we're moving, you realize what kind of junk you keep and you wonder why? It's crazy. Like, I, I, we, we had moved into Dick and Liz's basement and I threw out a ton of stuff and then we moved here and as I'm going through the boxes, I, I found this, this album. Like, we used to have a photography business and so this was our sample album and it's like, I don't do photography. I haven't for like two houses now. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so I get the album and I, I'm like, well, I don't even need this and nobody needs it. But I look at it, I'm like, but I can't throw it out. You know, it's, I, I, it's just so beautiful and it's got a leather cover and, and I don't know when I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm like, I'm never gonna need this. I'm like, but I just wanted to keep it and so I just walked and tossed it in the fire right it's like why would I why would I keep it but it's that it's that wrestle see you can't move forward as long as you're holding on to these certain things and as long as we decide to carry it with you you just can't move forward and it happens so many times with other things in our lives that that it, it, it it's the it's the unforgiveness we hold on to that we actually carry it with us and there's that saying forgive and forget um, well that's easier to say than it is to do but why is it so difficult to put some of these things out? I was talking with somebody earlier, like memories. You know, the, the, the way memories work, if you take an event and then you put it with a strong feeling or an emotion, you put those two things together, that thing burns in your mind that you remember it years and years and years down the road. Maybe I will share this, I, um, and I'll edit it out later. There's a, there's a gal who came to our church last week, and I haven't seen her in about 15 years, but I happen to remember her name, uh, and, uh, which is not common for me. But I remembered her name because... 15 years ago when I last seen her, her and her friend had gone on a missions trip with us and I had taken some of the luggage and I had a sleeping bag of, that I was supposed to return and somehow I lost it. And not only was it a sleeping bag, it was part of a set that was like somehow special to their family and I was like, man, how do I, like I don't know how to replace it, I can't replace it, I can't find it. And like for weeks and weeks and weeks, I try and avoid this person until finally they never came back anymore to our youth group and, and this sleeping bag thing, I was like, you know, I'd forgotten about it. 15 years ago, and it, doesn't it come back up just like that? What, what, what is that? Those kind of memories, that's how they work, and they just, they're, they're, they're in our minds. And so when something happens to you that's been hurtful or whatever, it's, it's naturally lodged there. And so, you know, we, we hear people talk about stuff that happened a few days, you know, it, it's as if it happened a few days ago, and it was years and years and years ago that it happened. I met with a guy this week, and we were chatting, and I was like, man, I haven't, I haven't talked to him about four years, and yet the conversation we had, I was like, this is the same conversation we had four years ago. He's still mad at the same people. He's still mad for the same reasons. I'm just like, does he realize? So I figured I should tell him. <laughs> then I needed forgiveness. It's, it's tough, right? But, but we have those moments. And what is that? It's just simply because it's not, our, it's not natural for us to do it. It's something bigger than that. So when Jesus, he didn't tell people, go forgive and forget. But he did command us to forgive. And his command of loving one another and forgiving one another, it's interesting. It wasn't just a good idea. 
it was actually genius. And when you think about it, Jesus so ahead of his time. As I was studying on forgiveness, it wasn't until the late 1980s, some of you weren't even around then, but in the, in the late 1980s is finally when psychology started realizing there was something about this forgiveness thing. And they started realizing that people, um, unforgiveness was affecting them emotionally, um, and they wouldn't say spiritually, but there was something that was affecting their real being and even physically. And so they went, started going to hospitals and doing this thing called forgiveness therapy, where they would walk through forgiveness with people and saw amazing results uh, as a result of it. And so, for instance, they would say, you know, as people went through this forgiveness therapy, they said, you know, that it was, it was helping to keep people emotionally healthy. We're in a time frame right now where emotional health and mental health are at like the, the highest ever. I mean, it's not that maybe it's always been happening, but we know so much more about it now. We see it everywhere. And not, it's not always the case, but unforgiveness can be one of the causes of these, these, this emotional um, sickness or uh, mental health sickness that's just, it's, it's plaguing the mind. And he says, you know, the, the thing they said too is that it, it helps people see the worth in other people. Because as long as there's unforgiveness, they think that person's worth nothing. But when they see the value in another person, it changes the way they relate with people as a whole. And they said, it's actually a path to peace. I think, man, these are interesting things, but Jesus knew that 2,000 years ago. Isn't it, it's fascinating to me that he, he knew. It was like, as he spoke, he knew how we were wired. He is almost like he knew how we were designed. And as a Jesus follower, he said, yeah, of course he was. He was God. We believe that. But if you're not a Jesus follower, that's something to think about. Something to consider, how does this man know this? How does he understand? How does he know this? How does he talk to the very heart of people then and still today? It's incredible. There's a man named Paul who hated Christians, hated Christianity, but he had an encounter with Jesus that so changed his life. It, it, it transformed him. And it, Paul is actually, you know, there's lots of skeptics who have trouble with believing the New Testament. We don't think, uh, they think, ah, oh, the Gospels, they were written a long time later. And they find these ways to just dis, to, to, to write off the New Testament. But they get to Paul and they're like, we, we don't know what to do with this guy because we know it was Paul who wrote it. We know the letters he wrote. We know that he, was, he did a 180 in his life and he, we know that he claims it was a man named Christ. We cannot, we cannot dispute that fact. And so Paul, this man who was profoundly changed by Christ, writes to others who were profoundly changed by Christ and he, he, he begins to tell them, it's a new life you're living. Here's how you live it. When Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, I've experienced it. Now here's how you live it out. And here's some of the things he wrote. Colossians chapter three. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Uh, this is one we're gonna just uh, hopefully take home with us as well. Colossians three, verse 12 and 13. Paul writes to these, these new Jesus followers. And he says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, he says, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, he says, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. He says, you know, you're in this family. He says, make, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. What does he mean by make allowance? That's not like take the trash out for your parents and hopefully they give you the five bucks. Make allowance is this idea of, you, it's, this, it's this idea of holding up one another. It actually, the, the words, make, it says bear with one another, even to the point of endure one another. Some of you are like, you know, you're being really great at living out your faith simply by enduring some of the people you don't like. We wouldn't think of it that way. But he says, this is, when you put enough of these people together that are different, sparks are going to fly. They're going to need some of this stuff of bearing up and holding up one another. And that's that, idea, that's that thought. He says, hold up one another and forgive one another. We, most of the time, we, rather than hold up one another, we have hold ups inside of us that, that, that 
um, hinder forgiveness in our lives. So my question for you this morning is, if you struggle with forgiving people, what's the holdup? What's the holdup in your life? And maybe you've got reasons why, you know, there's a reason why I'm upset at this person. There's a reason why I continue to be upset. And, and I would say you probably have very valid reasons. I wouldn't, de- I wouldn't deny that, that those are valid reasons. And for some, it's reasons like this, common reasons. I can't forgive them because they never said sorry. They never, they never apologized or tried to make it right. And so I can't forgive them if they haven't admitted it. The truth is that they may never apologize. They may never come back to you and say, you know what, I was wrong, please forgive me. But the truth is also that they don't have the control or the power to control your ability to forgive. They don't have that um, power and authority. You do. See, I've walked with people who've had to walk through forgiveness of a parent who's no longer alive. I'd be talking to them and they'd be saying, you know, my dad, and I was like, well, let's go talk to your dad. We can't, he's been dead for 10 years. And yet he lives here every single day, affecting their lives every single day. Why? Because they didn't realize that they could forgive without the other person having to say sorry. You know, it's that idea of you get to take the first step when it comes to forgiveness. And sometimes people are like, why do I have to take the first step? Stop thinking about it that way. Start thinking about you get to take the first step. We talked about it last week when it comes to mowing the lawn. Why do I have to mow the lawn? You get to mow the lawn. Your perspective can change things incredibly, and it can change your life. They, don't, they, they didn't apologize, and they may never. Second thought this, they don't deserve it. You're probably right. They probably don't deserve forgiveness just like we probably don't deserve forgiveness. And it's probably, you know, you probably have a very valid reason for, want, for feeling the hurt. But my question for you to consider is they don't deserve forgiveness, maybe. But do you, do you deserve to have a wound reopened again and again and again by you? I, I've got one, of the, one child who, um, in my house, he, he, uh, he loves to pull the bandage off to see if he's healed yet. And so every time, you know, it's like his, his sheets, you know, there's blood all over his sheets sometimes. He's just trying to find out what well, just continues to reopen the wound. But people do that when it comes to this idea of forgiveness. It's like, ah, they just get, you know, they keep opening it. But do you deserve that? You would probably say no. William Walton made a great quote. He says, to carry a grudge is like being stung to death by one bee. Carrying that grudge is like being stung to death by one bee. They don't deserve it. It doesn't matter. You know, the thought, third thought is this, they'll probably do it again. It's one reason why people have trouble with forgiveness is like, well, they're, gonna, they're, they're, they're just going to do it again if I let them off the hook. And the truth is you're not, you, trust and forgiveness are two separate things. If this is your holdup, forgiveness, Jesus isn't saying forgive them and now trust them completely. Those are two completely different things. He's saying forgiveness is a choice you make now. Trust is something you build from now till whenever. And if trust isn't built, well, that's, then, then, then live, you know, and it's in safety of, of distance with some person, but don't allow them to be the one affecting your mind and your heart. That's something that has to change over time. And the third or fourth, it says, I just want to get even. This is one of the things, it's not, we don't say this because we're Canadian, but we feel it. You know, maybe for years, it's like, oh, you just don't understand how they hurt me. You start driving down the road, you put Carrie Underwood in, you got your Louisville slugger, metaphorically, you know, both headlights are in trouble, and you're driving down the road and you just thought, I just want them to hurt like they hurt me. 
I've, I've talked to people and they've, had those, they've said those things. Why did I do what I did? I just wanted them to hurt like they hurt me. I just wanted to get even. Have you ever thought about what even means? When you get even with somebody, you put yourself at the same level as that person. That's all that it's doing. And when you think about this person that you dislike, that you don't respect, that's hurt you, that you're like, oh, that those kind of people, why would you want to put yourself at that level? It's somebody you, you, you don't like. Why would you want to be that person? Sometimes we just think about these things. Forgiveness, sometimes it's those holdups. Say it's, 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 it's way, way better to say, I'll just let that go. Last thought, I don't want to. <laughs> Why? What's the holdup to forgive? I just don't want to. I'm not ready yet. I was reminded of an Old Testament story uh, of Moses taking the people out of the children of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, there was the 10 plagues, famous stories if you've been uh, in kids' church, famous accounts. And uh, as Moses went to Pharaoh the second time, uh, the second plague was frogs everywhere. Millions of frogs all over Egypt and all over the Egyptians and frogs in their bed and frogs in their dishes and frogs everywhere. And, and as, as Pharaoh finally is like, I just can't take it anymore. He calls Moses. He's like, okay, fine. We'll let you go. Just get rid of the frogs. And Moses asks him a question. He says, okay, when? He says, Pharaoh, you tell me when, just so you can see God at work. When do you want me to get rid of the frogs? You know what Pharaoh's response is? Tomorrow. I want to spend one more night with the frogs. We laugh, but isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. My, my boys, um, they, they, they have some, had some skirmishes. And uh, the other day, Max, Finn had done something to Max, and he was, like, angry. And I was like, Finn, Max, this is a good opportunity to forgive. And he's like, I'm not ready. I was like, well, I, was, I thought, well, I don't know what to do. But then I realized I went to a parenting course, so I didn't know what to do. I said, you know what? You, you need to have a break, son. And when you're, ready to, when you're ready to forgive and ready to make this right, then you can come out. And so I put him in his room to have a break, and I went to talk to him. I was like, you ready to talk? He's like, I'm not ready. And I was like, okay, you know. And then a few minutes later, I went, you ready? I'm not ready. I'm like, okay, well, the other kids are going to have screen time, and then when you're ready, you just let me know. I'm ready. <laughs> Why? He had a revelation of this is costing me something, and now I'm ready. My hope this morning is that you have a revelation that unforgiveness is costing you something. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Because what is it costing you? For some, it's costing you your health. For some, it's costing you in stress. It's costing you peace of mind. It's costing you time. It's costing you joy. You know, it's costing you uh, the, the way you, know, you live your life. It's costing you produ- productivity because it's, it's all happening up in here. It, it's, you know, it's co- costing you relationship. Not just with the people that you're upset with, but it affects other relationships as well when you're, when you're carrying unforgiveness around. Affects your conversations, the way you talk, the way you treat people. See, Jesus talked about this idea of forgiveness over and over and over again. We've looked at some of the stories in the past. Matthew actually wrote it down when Jesus' most famous message, he said, Matthew was sitting there, he says this, you've heard the law is what Jesus said. You've heard the law with its, all of its commands. It says, it says that punishment must match the injury. You've heard that revenge is sweet. You've heard that it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's what you've heard. He says, but I say, don't resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, off for the other cheek as well. He says, don't live in this thing of unforgiveness. Don't live in that spot. You've heard it said before, but I say. Do you know my thought this morning is you've probably heard it said before that unforgiveness is not healthy for you. You've probably heard it before that, hey, you need to forgive. You've probably heard it about the person that's even in your mind. And uh, the question this morning is, so what's the holdup? Because um, we, the, the idea is that we've heard it before. 
This is not brand new. I know that. And some of you are like, ah, I didn't need to show up. I've heard this one before. But so often we live in an information age where we just treat everything as information. It's like, okay, okay, I know that. And we feel better because we know it. But James, the brother of Jesus wrote, don't deceive yourself. Don't fool yourself and think, well, just because I heard it, I'm better for it. Or just because I know it, I'm better for it. Or just because, okay, Jesus said, love one another, forgive one another, I'm better for it. He said, you actually have to do something about it. Because the idea wasn't that you would just have some information. It was that your life would be transformed. Not just information, but transformation. And forgiveness has the power to transform people. Forgiveness has the power to transform you. And so this morning, as we talked about stuff, maybe you had a sleeping bag moment where something was brought to your mind you haven't thought about in a long time. You didn't even realize it was still there. And maybe it requires forgiveness, and you're like, I don't know, but I can tell you it can change your life. I, I've shared this story with you before, but it's one of the most profound things that's happened in my life as a pastor where I saw the power of forgiveness at work. Uh, uh, just a few years ago, um, there's a man, well, I met him a number of years ago. His name, name was Paul. Paul was a guy I would go golfing with, and as we rode around the golf cart, Paul would tell me just about the people who have wronged him. He had a fantastic memory. He remembered, like, hurts that had happened years and years ago, and he would tell me, this is what I'm going to do to them, or this is what I've done to them, and, and it was, you know, uh, it was relatives, an ex, ex-wife, uh, uh, his kids. It was people that were close in his life, and he just had this, this venom every time. And so as we rode around, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I don't even know if the free golf is worth it sometimes. <laughs> and then Paul called me one morning, early in the morning. He says, Mark, I'm in the hospital. They think I have cancer. It doesn't look good. And he says, can you come see me? And I was like, sure I can. I went to Woodstock to go visit him. And as I sat in his, uh, by his bedside, he asked me, he's like, Mark, am I going to get in? He wondered, am I going to get into heaven? And because of my golf experiences with him, I knew some things about him. And he had thought, you know, maybe if he had believed the right thing or whatever, he would get in. And we began talking about the fact that, you know, do you think God can forgive you? And he, he wasn't sure. And as we talked about how God had forgiven him uh, with the, you know, talking about the cross and the goodness of the gospel, that it's about Jesus and not about us, that the lights came on for him. And he realized, I, I have actually been forgiven. And then I just shared with him before, you know, before I left that I said, as a follower of Jesus, he actually commands us to forgive other people. And he looked at me, he was like, I can't. Then a doctor came in, didn't have a chance to pray. I went home. I went back to visit him about two weeks later. I'd seen him once in between, but two weeks later I went back and I, I walked in and his body was worse. You could just see it, but his face was shining. And I said, Paul, Paul, what happened to you? He's like, I did it. I did it. I was like, what did you do? He's like, I, he says, I know I'm forgiven. He says, I, I put my trust in Jesus' forgiveness for me. But he says, but I, I sent my wife an email. I wrote my daughter. I said to them, I've, I've forgiven you the hurts that you've forgiven me. And I, and I asked them for their forgiveness. He says, I've been going through and the Lord's been bringing people to my mind. I've just been sending emails or, or certain, uh, any way that I can get a hold of them to let them know. And he's like, Mark, I'm a, I'm a different person. And I was like, I can tell. And he said, Mark, he said, I just hope that, that one day that God's going to heal me, that I could stand in front of a church and just tell them it's not worth it. The unforgiveness is not worth it. He says, I just want to tell them that forgiveness is available and it's powerful and it can change your life if you would just do it. I hope that Paul would have had that chance. We became really good friends over the last couple months of his life. I remember two things he had told me. He said at one point, he says, Mark, he says, I wish I had done this earlier. And in our last visit, he just said, Mark, you know what? I know that I'm not getting out of this bed, but as far as forgiveness, he said, I wish I had done it earlier, but I'm just so glad I did it now. 
which one will you be someday? Will you be at the end of your life someday and say, oh, I, I wish I had done something different that morning that I sat in Balmoral. I wish I had done something different with what I heard that day. Or will you someday say, wow, I am so glad I did something with that moment. I'm so glad I did something when I felt God speaking to my heart about that person that I just walked out forgiveness. Which one will you be? So we kind of wrap up this morning. <laughs> I literally saw a man changed. I believe it can happen again today. But the final thoughts, how do you do it? How do you live out forgiveness? There's good enough reasons why. I want to just give you one. There's a, there's a number of them, but just one thought to think about as you walk out from this place. And last night I had people text me after. And it's like, what else can we do? That's my prayer because it's, it's not that I'm just going to give you all the, the steps but if you have those questions, Holy Spirit works that out in your heart. Here's a, here's a thought. Colossians 3, verse 12. We go back to that verse. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Forgiveness starts in the head and it starts in the heart. Knowing that you are loved. Knowing that you've been forgiven. He says, you must clothe yourselves with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's fault. Forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Remember. Remember in your mind that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It starts in the heart and mind. And Paul says, you know what, how do I make this clear to you? He's like, let me just explain it this way. It's like putting on clothes. This morning, every single one of you intentionally put on clothes, and we are grateful that you did. We have yet to have a streaker at church. That's not an invitation. But you intentionally did something. And he's saying it's the same way. It's almost like you said, you know what, this morning I put on this shirt. Because it reminds me of forgiveness. And every time I see it, or I put something on my hand, or I put on a hat, this is my forgiveness hat. Because I'm intentionally, whatever it takes to remind myself that this is an intentional decision that I'm making. That no matter what I feel like, God, I forgive them because you've forgiven me. God, I know I'm loved so I can love them. Not because they deserve it, not because I want to, not, but because, because you've loved me, I'm going to do that. I'm going to live that out today. They've wronged me. They've done wrong to me. I'm going to do good to them in some way in some way. And here's the final thought. I, I was so challenged by it this week, and I, I would hopefully it's the same, has the same challenge for you. But I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say the things that I would think of saying. I'm so glad Jesus didn't use the excuses that I would be tempted to use. And here's how we know. Jesus didn't say, I'm not forgiving Mark till he says he's sorry. What did he say? Paul wrote to the Romans and said, this, God showed his great love for me, for Mark, for you, by sending Christ to die for me while I was still a sinner. Why? Because forgiveness takes the first step. And I'm so glad he did. He didn't say, ah, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Because it's true that I probably didn't, I didn't deserve forgiveness. But what does we say? Forgiveness sees the worth in somebody else. Hebrews tells us, oh, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. For, for the joy, that joy is you. For the joy, the relationship with you, he endured the cross. He didn't say, oh, He'll probably do it again. He said, you know, as the writer of Lamentation said, his mercies are new every morning. My mercy, my grace is new for you every morning. I just want you. Would you just come into relationship with me? Just come into relationship with me. He says, I, you know, he didn't say, I, 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 just go, I just want to get even with him. You know, I think of it this way. Jesus never said, oh, I want to be like them. He says, I want them to be like me. You know, just as he is, so are we in this world. He says, follow me as I follow Christ, is what Paul said to the Philippians. He said, have the same attitude that Jesus had. Have the same attitude that Jesus had. 
I want you to be like me. I'm not trying to come to, to your level to get even. I came to your level to take you to another one. And he said, you know, I don't want to or I'm not ready yet. He prayed in the garden that night, knowing what he was about to experience, having seen crucifixions before, knowing that that was ahead of him. Father, take this cup away from me if it's possible, but you know what? It's not about me. Your will be done. And instead of saying any of those things, here's the words he did say. See, he hung on a cross, you know, a real cross, real hands with real nails through them, real feet with real nails through them. Surrounded by the crowds who are watching him, about the, you know, by the officers of the, the Roman you know, legion prodding him, the religious leaders scorning him, the, the other criminals hanging on the cross mocking him. There he hangs. With the weight of the, of the sin of the world, my sin on his shoulders. Forgiveness requires pain sometimes. And I just think about that fact that he pushed up on those nails on his feet just to take a breath. And he'd pull on those nails on his hands just to take a breath. That he went through an excruciating amount of pain just to be able to say these words, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. You know, it's, it's incredible when we really think about it. It's incredible. Because that's what he did for us. It was the wages of our sin that he was carrying, not his own. It was my death he was paying for, not his own. I was the one, you were the one in need of forgiveness, desperate for it, not deserving it, and yet he offered it to us. And Paul would later write to the Ephesians and say this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as any types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted to one another. Forgive one another. Why, Paul? What's the reason? Why should we do it? He says, just because God through Christ has forgiven you. As a Jesus follower this morning, why should you forgive others? If you call yourself a Christian, a Jesus follower, it's simply this. It's his command to you. It's time to do it now. What's the holdup? It's his command to you, and it's actually for your good, for your good. Maybe today. You know, but for others here this morning, you're not a Jesus follower. I said at the beginning, it's not a Christian thing. It's just a thing thing. Forgiveness works the same way for anyone. It works the same way for anyone, regardless of what you believe. One person wrote it this way. They said, it's forgiveness is like setting a prisoner free and then finding out the prisoner was you. You think you're letting them off the hook. You're not. It's you. And I encourage you, if you're not a Jesus follower here today, to consider this fact that 2,000 years ago, there was a man who walked this planet who knew people, who knew them like he'd made them. He knew in our hearts what we really go through, and he spoke words then that are still so powerful today. How did he know that stuff back then? And somebody who could say something that was so good for humanity back then, that's somebody worth following. And I encourage you in your life, maybe you're like, I don't know if I believe he's God. I don't believe. I would say just take a step. He's inviting you to come follow him. And maybe this morning, like, you're aware of, well, I'm not a good person. I'm not. He says forgiveness is available to you as well. Because I've paid for forgiveness for you. All it takes is turning away from the way I'm living and saying, I, I just want to follow. I want to live differently. I want to follow you. He'll do the rest in your heart. So this morning, I, I've shared what's on my heart to share. But my, my prayers, it's not my words that, that affect things this morning. But that when, what you heard here, if there was something that affected you here, forget everything else I said. But listen to that thing. Because that's God speaking to your heart for your good. And it may be hard. And it may be something that you're not ready for, not wanting to, and all the other excuses. Don't let it be a holdup in your life any longer.
for your own sake. Can we pray? Father, thanks for this morning. Beautiful day. Chance to live another day. But my, my prayer, God, is that you'd help us to live another day differently. That as we see new life around us, that you would just breathe new life into hearts and situations and relationships this morning. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for living out forgiveness, for your grace, for your mercy. It, it really is incredible. Jesus, we want to follow you, to live our lives just loving the way you loved. We can't do without you. Would you remind us again every day of how much we're loved and that we're walking with you. And may they see your love through our hearts as we step out and live out this thing called forgiveness. Lord, I know there's people here that have really difficult times with this. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as, as they leave this place, they, they know that uh, you are with them, walking with them. To encourage them in each moment of each day, that you would mend the brokenness and hurt on the inside. As they take steps of obedience to you, may they see and experience the freedom, the freedom. Love you, Jesus. Thanks for this thing called church. What a great idea. We love you and we go out together in your name. Amen.